When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. Welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. This is where we usually say, welcome to an educational short. But this week, I've noticed that Nick and I have a lot of tangents in some of our shows. So, welcome to this week's tangents. Tangents are when we just can't seem to stay on topic, and that happens probably more than you think. For an example, this tangent was during our automation episode. That episode was extremely long. Not the part that you got, but the part that I was able to pull two full tangents out of. So, although it's still a good conversation, and it's something that really needs to be heard, we decided to pull it out and put it during a short. So, I hope you enjoy... This week's tangent. The grid has to come first. We will not be a sustainable nation until the grid is functioning in a smart capacity, until it is, in a sense, automated also, and, yes. that, and that its inputs are mostly clean. Yes, I said mostly clean, because there will always be some other inputs that maybe won't be you know, solar. It, you may have some natural gas. You may have some oil because we still have that up and down we have to work on. It's only over the years of just tweaking and fixing things little by little can we whittle that away completely. And so we have to focus on the grid first, the city second, and our future also. I, I think that when it comes to fossil fuels, they're always going to be around a little bit. I think that what what I envision happening would, as of right now, they're the main source of energy for our grid, and I think it should, in an ideal world, kind of work its way into the opposite. It would be useful to have a tiny supply or a tiny functioning, like almost like a microsystem around, in case something did happen to our system and it went down, something a backup, just to get people emergency power in the winter. Just things people actually need. I'm not saying you know to crank up your AC so your house can be 50 in the summer. But if for some reason there is a terrible disaster that does happen and knocks out our grid, it would be nice to have an emergency system set that would keep people safe during the winter. And yes, I'm theming this like winter because guess what happened? Mike already said it. Foot of snow. First foot of snow. We got more coming. <sighs> yeah, that's it's exciting and terrible at the same time. <laughs> I, I just don't. I don't see it going anywhere for a long time. And if automobiles follow the trend of like 15% of the national fleet is new every year, then we have a solid 10, 11 years before we're going to start seeing a lot of electric vehicles all around us. And, and 
like here in Montrose, there's like two or three people that own Teslas. So it's really cool to see them drive around. I don't know any of those people, so I don't get to touch them. But <laughs> I, it's really cool to see them drive around. But I, I kind of look forward for the day where that's that's more commonplace, where that's not such a novelty. Well, that, if you know that, what I mean. Be, yep, that becomes more commonplace when more companies offer them. So General Motors just came out and said, "Hey." We're going to have our whole fleet switched over to electric by 2035. Well, that's that is not recent. That's not soon. No, Uh, I was. I will say I'm not a big fan of their commercial during the Super Bowl saying, why is there no electric cars on the road? The answer answer is them. (laughs) Can we not can we not talk about the commercial, please? They compared uh, they compared. The U.S. to a country half the size of Michigan. Can we just not? Can we not do it? Like, yeah, it was funny. Like, it was funny. Well, but... it was ironic because the reason why the U.S. has not moved forward in electric vehicles is because they bought the original functioning electric vehicle and they mothballed it. Well, they took yeah. the patents and they locked them up. So, well, that's that's answer. That's kind of true, but I mean, the very first functioning car was an electric car. Cars, like we're, we're talking back to Da Vinci's earliest, you know, concept were powered by gas, not gas, I'm sorry, compressed air, springs, coils, and electricity for a long time. It wasn't until gas proved to be the more economic way to get things further faster that they switched to gasoline. But it's still, that's going back a hundred years. But the EV1 and- was the first functioning, efficient electric vehicle purchased by General Motors and mothballed. Yeah, well, you it, said you said efficient. That's the key word. <laughs> so when that vehicle would have been the starting point, we would have already moved to electric. We've already would have stressed our grid to the point of needing replacement, and we would have already started started, if not finished, that replacement. Most likely, I mean, if you figure, if if you were to have switched to electric then, but kept the same designs of vehicles, not in terms of the power, but just the way they look and kept the, the concept of like these muscle cars and the way the trends of automobiles are going right now, but electric, could you imagine the amount of juice you'd have to pull if 10 people in your block were driving the brand new Mustang that has 700 horsepower every day? Like, it would just be terrible. And I don't know. I, I just can't wait till I can afford one. The funny part is, is your basic Tesla. Well, let's say your four engine Tesla. Smokes mm-hmm. your 700 horsepower car in the in, of, in the in the eighth, and the quarter it is chased down. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's true. I really don't. Maybe right. a half mile. I uh, a lot you, of times you, if you see a Tesla at the drag strip, they get chased down at the other end. Um, but okay, no I've one never beats seen them off one the there. line. No one beats them off the line. <laughs> In, instant torque, man. So I mean, they'd be hard. Yeah, so here's the deal. When it comes to automation, everybody has to be a little more open-minded and not immediately grab the pitchforks and fire. There is the possibility of a future with a solid energy grid that has little to no cost. Because I foresee an energy grid that you don't pay for electricity, you just pay for access. And that the energy provider receives electricity from every home in America and helps balance it. And they just become an energy grid maintenance company. So it becomes a subscription service. You just pay to hook on to it. You pay you know, you pay your $50 a month and you have electricity. And yeah, like the internet. Yeah, like the internet. And because, <laughs> the, because the cost of electricity on a wind turbine, the cost of electricity with solar and hydro is so much smaller. 
you don't have to go get the resource. It comes to you. You don't have to dig it up. You don't have to process it. You just have to be in front of it. That's a wonderful concept. And like I said, what we've already touched on how much I hate consumers. I think it's a wonderful idea. And hopefully people don't destroy all their smart meters, you know, because that was another thing. Smart meters are going to control things in your home. That's how you balance power. This isn't a horror movie where they're going to shut off your heat. They're supposed to control things in your home. That's the idea. There's a lot of fear to it. That's why. Okay. Well, that's because the movie Terminator exists. Okay. (laughs) And I understand that fear, but I don't really think that a smart meter is going to turn into a T-1000. I have been one of the biggest people to joke, to make that joke, to make fun of, you know, like, like I truly believe Netflix is Skynet. I have believed it for a long time. Do I think that's a realistic? No, I don't think that we're going to create an, an AI system that's going to take over everything and then deem us to be the enemy and kill us. I don't think that's going to happen. I do think, though, for a, for a vast number of people, I think that's essentially what they're scared of. They're scared of the future, you know, growing past them and leaving them behind. And that, at that point, everyone becomes that that hillbilly in the woods, that, that that hermit that won't change their ways. That's what people are terrified of. Like, it's not no one's coming to take your life. We're just trying to improve it. Yeah, actually, almost everything we've talked about, even though there's fear of loss of jobs and all these other things, that's when society has to adapt to those changes. And when we don't, that's when people are hurt. If the world is going to change with or without your permission and you don't move, you are left behind. So Mm -hmm. we have to pay attention to the people making decisions. Are they adapting with the technology? Are they taking care of the people? who are left behind. For an example, one of the things we've heard in the past is, oh, they're going to they're gonna completely destroy the oil industry. Well, one of the things they do is they offer job uh, training and placement into the newer energy systems. So just because you live in a place where, that's, where gas is the most important thing doesn't mean you don't get a job in the next most important thing. Well, you're right, though. I, I, there's two things I want to touch on with that. One... The oil, the, the big energy companies right now are, it's not like we're going to pull the plug and they're going to shut down. When when everything in society shifts, they're going to go, well, this is where we're going to make money. They're going to invest and that is that will become their new industry. They're just not going to go broke and some the farmer from Idaho is going to become the new green farmer. And big companies now will still shift their resources and their employees will still have jobs. Like, it's still going to be there. The industry is not going away. We just want to minimize its impact on our earth. That's all we're looking to do. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's tangent. That's all we have for this week. Please remember, if you get an opportunity, leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us out more than pretty much anything. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. This episode is sponsored by Melting Me. Join the star of Melting Me, Nicholas Nazarian, in his journey of weight loss as he tries to teach himself how to live a healthy life in a supersized world. This podcast is an honest and open look at everything from his real life struggles to his victories big and small. Come get your melt on with Melting Me on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you listening. Now please enjoy the show.